Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Dan Dickow here with the ISO for SB Live Sports. Check us out daily with our podcast releases, mini interviews, um, each Wednesday, a Mailbag Wednesday episode, as well as a couple just um, episodes where I share my thoughts with what's been going on in the world of sports, in particular college basketball. So today, January 11th, 2022, I've got my mid-season college basketball thoughts organized, arranged, ready to share a little bit about what has caught my eye, what has been Exciting to watch, uh, players to watch, teams to watch, my midseason coach of the year at this point in time. So let's just jump right into this. You know, I think the biggest storyline throughout the course of college basketball season up till now um, has really exploded over the last three and a half, four weeks. And that's, that's, you know, mini games being postponed due to COVID. Um, You know, I think if you look at it, um, there's been over 75 teams um, as of a week ago that might have crept up closer to 100 teams now. I'm not sure, um, but I know at least 75 teams as of a week ago have been on a pause of some sort um, where games have been postponed, maybe games have been canceled. So it's definitely uh, put a damper on the college basketball season this year. And for anybody like me that uh, one enjoys watching it, but two um, works as an analyst during the season. Uh, it's something that that can be a bit frustrating. I've now had six games uh, that have been postponed due to COVID, and uh, fingers crossed, those are the only six. Uh, I've got a feeling that with this being January 11th, um, I, I think we give it another week and a half, two weeks to kind of uh, hopefully, in a good way, run its course get everything kind of situated uh, and then we're able to go ahead and uh, you know start rescheduling some of those postponed games and I think you're going to see as I've said before on this podcast as well as uh, Gonzaga Nation SI you're going to see games coming pretty uh, coming at you at a pretty breakneck pace and that's going to be you know uh, either a Monday or Tuesday or a Thursday Saturday if you're the WCC if you're the Mountain West, where a lot of times you'll play a Wednesday, Saturday. Maybe you're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, whatever it might be. Um, so you're, you're going to see lots of games coming in the very near future. But, um, you know, I think the leagues are starting to adjust. I think the leagues are starting to take a look at things and, and realize that the forfeit rules that they had in place uh, aren't going to aren't making a whole lot of sense now. And so we need to kind of take a step back and, and come to a new agreement and new guidelines on that. Um, because when those rules were made and, and kind of put together, um, 
everybody thought the worst of everything in the pandemic as far as canceling of games and, and uh, players having a quarantine was past us. And it, the cases were going to be few and far between that, that a forfeit may have to happen. Well, we've already learned that that's not necessarily the case. Um, we've got, we, we've got to reshuffle the deck and figure out these forfeit rules. So, you know, all the Power Five conferences, as well as the American Athletic Conference and the Big East, ha- have restructured um, their their guidelines and rules as far as forfeitures and how many players have to be eligible or, sorry, healthy um, per guidelines to be able to have that game be played. You know, many other groups, uh, leagues, and in particular the A10 is pen- petitioning. Um, to be able to allow red shirts to be pulled to allow the red shirt players to play in a game, to make sure the game happens. Um, but they're asking that in such a way that that red shirt isn't burnt. They can go back and um, continue to red shirt after the fact. Uh, it's just play the games when it's necessary so that the schedule doesn't get um, messed up any more than it is. So, you know, Frank Frank Martin – Coach at South Carolina had a really good comment, a really good quote that I thought, <clears throat> you know, sums a lot of this up. If you're vaccina- vaccinated and asymptomatic, you should not get tested. If you're asymptomatic, why are we even testing? I don't know how we're going to play a season with the policies that were in place pre-vaccination. And I, I think that's a great commentary um, on, on two fronts. These guidelines were put in place pre-vaccination. Um, and then the second part uh, of this, and really the first part that he made in his comment was, if you're if you're asymptomatic, why are, why are we even testing? You know, there's um, you know guys that are not even showing any signs of sickness of illness um, yet might have have the virus are getting tested. They're positive. Now they're out. Now it throws the whole program in a loop, and we start testing everybody. Uh, I, I just I, I personally find that as not the route to go. So that being said, hopefully we're just about through. We're just about over with this and, and we can move on to a, a heavy game loaded schedule in the very near future. So <clears throat> next part of midseason college thoughts is player of the year. Lots of great candidates. I mean, this year, the, the All-American first team is going to be very good. The second team, the third team, uh, are going to be very good. I, I look at, you know, the the Wooden Award top twenty five midseason came out just a couple days ago, and the list is just mind boggling of of how many good players there are this year. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, guys coming back uh, and due to COVID getting an extra year. The NIL rules uh, allowed some guys uh, the ability to come back and make a little bit of money where they knew they probably weren't ready to, to, to take their skills and be successful in at the NBA route and get drafted maybe as a first rounder with guaranteed money, but the ability to make a little bit of money while they're in college, uh, gave them the, the hope and the thought to come back, um, make a little bit and continue on with, with a great college career. So you're seeing a little bit of the, both of those. Um, you're seeing a couple good freshmen, the three freshmen in particular that jump out, Banchero, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith are the three that come to mind to me really quickly. Um, but you're not seeing as many freshmen having an impact this year as, as you've seen in years past. I think the most interesting stat that I read, and this was about two weeks ago, <clears throat> and this was in the Power Five conferences, 
there are only 24 freshmen that are averaging 20 minutes or more. Now think about that for a second. In years past, there have been 24 freshmen in Power 5 conferences that have declared early for the NBA draft. This year, 24 freshmen in the Power 5 conferences are only averaging 20 minutes a game. So what it shows you is, you know, the NIL guys came back. As I mentioned, the super senior grad transfers, those guys are now uh, back for another year. And so it's really strengthened the college game this year. I mean, you look across the board, there are some really good teams. Um, Baylor, obviously undefeated, ranked at number one. Gonzaga's back at two. Purdue, Duke, UCLA, uh, Villanova, you go on and on the list. The best teams have a great balance of youth and experience, whether that experience comes through the grad transfer route, like James Akinjo uh, at Baylor, whether it comes from uh, just guys returning. I know Michigan has struggled this year. They're not what they they were in preseason, but a guy like Hunter Dickinson coming back, uh, having a good solid season uh, as a sophomore is another example of that. Uh, Kofi Cokeburn. Another great example of that, too. So um, so let's just jump into my player of the years and my five All-Americans at this moment in time. So my player of the year at this moment, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Most people didn't know much about him, myself included, after last year because he didn't even start. The Big Ten was deep with teams, although they didn't play very well in the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten was loaded with depths and players last year. So you didn't really get to a chance to really, you know, have him be spotlighted. Didn't know what to expect, but Greg Gard has got him playing at an extremely high level. He's taken his opportunity and absolutely run with it, and it's been fun to see uh, if you watch them. I mean, he's had some monster games. He had 30 points against Houston, one of the best defensive teams in the country, 23-9 uh, and nine versus Indiana. Just recently had 34 points and excuse me 37 points and 14 rebounds uh against purdue in the big 10 so johnny davis gets my nod as the player of the year he's been fantastic and it's going to be fun to watch him progress through the rest of the big 10 conference play and see what he can do in the ncaa tournament because you know i've been uh, i've been down on the big 10 before i've been down on them after their performance last year but um he's been fun to watch he's been tremendous uh, he's really improved, and I love those stories because I look at my career path, my trajectory, and it's very similar. Kind of count it out um, and then just have to work at it. Just continue to get better, and when your opportunity comes, be ready. And that's what Johnny Davis has done. Um, <clears throat> so he's obviously on my my first team All-American list as he's averaging 22 points, um, seven and a half rebounds, two and 2.6 assists and almost a steal and a half. Those four categories he leads his team in. So four major categories he leads the Badgers in, which is pretty impressive. Uh, next up for my All-American list, Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Um, you know, Travion Williams got a lot of the recognition uh, coming into the preseason. Um, Zach Eady. Big seven foot four, seven foot five, gets a lot of attention as well. But I, I think Jaden Ivey has been tremendous throughout the season. Averages a little over 16 a game. He leads them in scoring, shoots at about 46%, I believe, from the three point line. Uh, Purdue's having a great year at 13 and two, uh, top five efficient offense. They've been hovering 
around the one, two, three mark throughout most of the year. I believe last I checked, they dipped to five, but a lot of that has to be with getting into conference play and your opponent knowing strengths and weaknesses and taking those strengths away, forcing you to your weaknesses uh, a little bit more than the non-conference would. So uh, Jaden Ivey, member of the first team All-American team for me. Next up is Ben Matherin at Arizona. Only a sophomore. Had he left for the NBA draft, I think he would have been drafted probably late lottery, mid first round. Um, but the fact that he came back, I think, is going to bolster his pro career. I think he's now probably top seven, top eight pick in the lottery this year. He's a big wing, very good skilled. He's athletic. He's long. He plays the right way. Um and, you know, under first-year head coach Tommy Lloyd down in Tucson, uh, he's bought in, and, and he's been terrific. Six times this year he's had 24 points or more, and the way that they play Arizona, fastest tempo, fastest pace in the country, um, I'm pretty sure that's going to be added to uh, as far as big-time scoring games and nights from him. So uh, Ben Matherin, my next pick for All-American team. <clears throat> next up, we go to the Big 12. Kansas, they've been tremendous as they always seem to be. They're in the conversation if they keep it up, uh, possibly for, for a one seat right now, probably a two, but they're going to be in the mix if they keep it up. Uh, Oche Ogbaji uh, has had a really good year. Leads them in scoring nearly 21 points a game, uh, 54% from the field, 47% from the three-point line. I like this because – He's a guy that's been talented, and he's had good stretches during his time at, at Kansas, but he's a four-year guy. He's stayed. He's gotten better, um, and you'd love to see that progression in a player. Now he's the go-to guy on a, a top seven, top eight team in the country in Kansas, so um, he would be my, my pick for sure. Uh, next pick for All-American to round it out would be Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Drew Timmy. Obviously, preseason player of the year in almost every single publication. If you look at the numbers, you might think, no, nah, I'm not. I'm going to go a different route. But you have to take a look at why those numbers are a little bit down. Last year, he averaged 19 points, about eight rebounds. This year, he's only averaging about 17.6 rebounds. He's still shooting over 60% from the field. Gonzaga is still dominant. They're 13-2 and two on the season. They're not as dominant as they were last year in regards to you know, talking about an undefeated historical season, but they are right there. The only two losses are against two good teams, Duke, Alabama. Yes, Timmy struggled against Duke. And yes, Timmy has had a, a game or two where, you know, he doesn't dominate the game like he has to, but I don't think, or he has in the past, but I don't think necessarily <clears throat> he has to do that. Uh, last year, he was literally the, the only inside scoring op option for Gonzaga. Their balance was tremendous. Um, Things were made easy. This year, they've got more pieces. Um, Chet Holmgren's come in. The other couple freshmen have, have done a nice job. Uh, but Drew Timmy's also filled in in the leadership role. That's That's been really impressive. So um, Drew Timmy, to me, still stays on that All-American award list. Next up would be freshman of the year. There's a couple different routes that you could go, and I think you have a legitimate case for any of these guys, I mentioned the three off the top in Jamari Smith at Auburn, Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga, and Paulo Banchero at Duke. Um, I'm going to have to uh, go with Paulo Banchero. Um, you know, he has been tremendous. Uh, as much as I like those other two, um, I, I think 
Paulo has had the biggest impact. Uh, and I think he's got the best pro potential uh, of the three of those guys. Now, that's not a slight in any way, shape, or form to the other two. I think um, all three are going to be in consideration for the number one pick, depending on who has it. I think they're they're all three are going to have tremendous pro careers. They're all having impact on their teams. But right now, for me, I'm going Paulo Banchero as, as freshman of the year. I think next up would be surprise team. And this is always a hard one because, you know, you, you could take it as far as what's the, the biggest surprise of a Power 5 conference team. And I think a lot of people would say Arizona because new coach, um, what style are they going to play, all those different things. Um, you could go with a, a, a true low major uh, program where nobody's heard about them and it would be hard to hard to argue it too much. <clears throat> or um, the you could take the direction that I'm going to take and I'm just going to kind of split it down the middle. I'm going to go with a mid-major um, that has been good in the past. Uh, they were really good last year, um, but their coach left. And so you got a new coach and you, you got a lot of question marks out there. And so I'm going to go with surprise team of the year, Loyola Chicago in the Missouri Valley. Yeah, they made that great run last year, but Porter Mosier, the head coach, goes to Oklahoma. Uh, Cameron Crutwig, their big last year, who they seem to run most things offensively through, he's gone. Uh, and so you've got now new head coach Drew Valentine coming in, um, putting his own stamp on things. He's done a tremendous job. Lucas Williamson is, is a terrific all-around player. Defensively, um, he, he is very good. Um, so I would give the, the nod as the surprise team. Uh, to Loyola Chicago. Not that they didn't have pieces, but when their head coach goes and their leading scorer and playmaker goes, um, you're going to have some questions. So um, they've been they've been fun to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to keep an eye on them throughout the rest of the year. Last but not least for me would be the coach of the year. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you got a lot of great options here. I think Will Wade at LSU would be a solid option. I mean, I've seen some clips in games lately where their defense just looks off the charts. Uh, he's done a really nice job in the transfer market. Tari Eason in particular um, from Cincinnati has had some great stretches uh, down in Baton Rouge. So I think Will Wade gets consideration. I think Scott Drew has to get consideration. The fact that they won the national title last year. They lost the three guards, Mitchell, Butler, and Teague, um, and vital as a defender at that four. Um, and people are kind of curious what type of fall off are they going to have. Um, they just go about their business. They got a great grad transfer in James Akinjo, who has completely transformed the way he plays. He's bought into Scott Drew's system. Um, but the fact is he's got them undefeated at this point of the year, 15-0, and 0. Um, legitimate one seed, legitimate contender to repeat. So he's got to be in the conversation. I think Coach Few has got to be in the conversation, player, uh, excuse me, as coach of the year. Um, you know, you, you're talking about blending so many freshmen, which is something Gonzaga's never had to do, and good freshmen, like McDonald's All-American level freshmen, freshmen that are going to play, that should play, that need to play because they're that good. Blend that with the Drew Timmy. The emergence of Anton Watson over the last seven, eight games has been awesome. Uh, and then, you know, your sophomore class that that he was so high on a year ago, um, even though people didn't really get to know them outside of Jalen Suggs, in particular Jalen Stra Julian Strahler, 
has been great. So I think, you know, the, the balancing act of, of winning and developing has been great on Coach Fuse and this year. Um, guy that doesn't get enough credit nationally uh, is my next uh, contender for Coach of the Year, and that would be out of the Pac-12 USC, Andy Enfield. It's hard to believe he and Coach Tab Boyle are the two longest tenured coaches in the Pac-12 now. Um, but he's got USC undefeated, one of the few left in the country. And he's also got them with their highest ranking in the last 50 years at number five in the AP poll. Um, so what they're doing is impressive. They're doing it on the defensive end. Um, they've got a really balanced roster. And I think Boogie Ellis has been a terrific transfer from that for them from Memphis. So Andy Enfield's on the list. Next up on the list would be Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Um, maybe the best defensive team in the country, I believe, as of now, they're three or four in Ken Palm. Um, so analytically, they are good. And the reason he gets mentioned in this conversation is he's lost his two starting guards. His two best guards are out for the season. Um, and he's got them to the point where they're not missing a beat. They were Final Four a season ago. The way they're playing right now, it could be heading back um, to New Orleans for a second straight Final Four. But my coach of the year... Uh, as a friend of mine, um, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's having success. I will be honest, the amount of success that's come so quickly for his team has surprised me. Uh, and that's Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. Uh, I was happy for him when he got the job. I figured that would be about the only place he was going to leave Gonzaga for, um, would be a, a powerful sleeping giant in Arizona. He took it. He kept the, the right guys there. He recruited uh, some of the other pieces that help kind of balance out and flush out that roster to be great. He's got them. They went from playing a slow pace, grinded out under Sean Miller to a fast breakneck speed. They play as fast as anybody in the country. Uh, I believe number one in pace per Ken Palm a couple days ago when I last checked, but they're playing up and down. They're playing fast. They've also got the size where they can really uh, contest you at the rim and make things difficult um, defensively for you. So though that would be, my coach of the year, Tommy Lloyd. So to recap, player of the year, I'm going Johnny Davis. Freshman of the year, Paulo Banchero. Surprise team, Loyola Chicago. And coach of the year, Tommy Lloyd of Arizona. So for the ISO and SB Live Sports, I'm Dan Dickow. Thanks for checking it out. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.